God's word today. We will turn to John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman called in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go now and leave your life of sin. Amen. God is the righteous judge. 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 Because he is righteous, his judgment is righteous, as it says in Revelation chapter 16, 7. And he cuts off uh, the wicked. In Psalms chapter 7, 9, it says he puts an end to the wicked and establishes the righteous. And our faith is to acknowledge our wickedness and confess and acknowledge before God how wicked we are, and that is what faith is. The life of faith for such person, therefore, is as he acknowledges he is wicked, it is to repent and to cut off the cord of wickedness and live to enter the assembly of the righteous. So it is to cut off the cord of wickedness and to live to enter the assembly of the righteous. In 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, It is the good conscience that seeks God. A good conscience that seeks God. For he cut off all wickedness, put an end to the wicked, and had to enter the gathering of the righteous. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. So not so the wicked. They are like shaft that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Hallelujah. So in Psalms, it clearly describes the wicked and righteous, and that we ought to be found in the assembly, the gathering of the righteous and not walking and step with the wicked. For it is our hope to inherit the kingdom of righteousness. Isn't that right? And the reason we ought to do so 
is our ancestor Adam sinned and we have become those of wickedness. So due to the devil, mankind was deceived and therefore uh, disobeyed God and was destined to go to hell and destruction with the devil. Uh, the Bible also describes Cain as one who was deceived by the wicked one, as it says in 1 John chapter 3, 12, that he belonged to the wicked one. So if you belong to the wicked one, the devil, you are hell bound. So because mankind belonged to the devil, the ruler of the air, their fleshly nature was wickedness and sinfulness. So they are those who continue to pursue the lust of the flesh. And because they belong to the wicked one, they would therefore be led to destruction. And as described in the Bible, we are born as children deserving of wrath and inevitably would be led to hell. So the Bible, however, describes who the wicked are. So who is wicked? Uh, as it says in Titus chapter 115, the wicked are described as those who do not believe and whose minds and consciences are corrupted, as it says in Titus 115. So the wicked are those who do not believe and those whose minds and consciences are corrupted. So by nature, uh, we are born as children of wrath, uh, meaning uh, the consciences have been seared numb. The Bible says that unbelievers are the wicked and those whose minds and consciences are corrupted are the wicked. So conscience, when we speak of conscience and the righteous, that is what I will preach about today. In English, it's conscience, and in ancient characters, it means good heart. Um, but that is not the full meaning. So what conscience is, is deep within the heart, uh, there is a sense of conscience. So the Bible describes the conscience according to the different eras. So uh, everyone has a conscience, and uh, it's this universal or general conscience uh, that everyone has. So one without a conscience isn't human at all, they say. So this conscience existed in every uh, generation uh, or region and and this conscience can be acquired and taught through morals and ethics laws and uh, teachings according to the time and society in which one lives so this is the general or universal conscience and it varies uh, so this general conscience it varies um, by generation, uh, by region, and even by uh, so by region, location, and time. Whether it's the Middle Ages or the present, the standard and definition of conscience differs. In the past, 
when I was young, men and women could not sit together in one place. But now, we see all sorts of um, public signs of affection everywhere. Uh, and, uh, and it's truly the end times. Also, this conscience differs, it varies by uh, region. So the conscience of the people who live in rural areas differ from those who live in uh, urban uh, places. Also, between the West and East, this conscience differs as well. So while there are those who are more conservative, um, there are others who are more liberal-minded. And uh, so all this uh, varies, all this differs uh, by people, by region and location. And there are uh, some people who live as they desire and um, have a deeper sense of conscience. So it varies between the country, the countries, the regions, as well as the different types of governments as well, such as uh, in democratic or communist governments, it all varies. So the Bible says that there's this general conscience that everyone has. Also, this level of conscience varies between individuals as well. So some people have such a clear conscience, whereas others have a very little conscience. So there are those who are criticized by others and maybe even called a dog, a beast, and not human, as they have such a bad conscience. So they have no shame or... Um, and so this conscience, it uh, varies by generation, by region, and by individual. Uh, and it's revealed through the law of God that God gave to Moses. So this law was the conscience of God, and he governed right and wrong, and is what the Israelites received through Moses, and they were to live by it. So it was the absolute law of God, and apart from this absolute law that was given to them, it was only so it was only the law of God that was absolute and everything else was rendered null. So whether they heard of the law or knew of it or not, uh, they would be responsible for keeping it and, uh, and would be condemned if it was not kept because it was absolute. And we see it written in Romans chapter 3, 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. So as we read here, it says those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced. So whether they were Jew or Gentile, it was to the whole world that this law was given so every mouth may be silenced and the purpose was so the whole world would be held accountable to God. In Psalms chapter 7 8 it describes all men were to be judged. That It says let the Lord judge the people. So the moment the law was given whether they heard or knew of it 
they were held accountable to the law of God. If disobeyed, they would be condemned and uh, be deemed unrighteous and be punished. But if kept, they would be deemed as righteous. In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are all justified freely by His grace. So, so the Israelites received the law, and not only did they receive the law, but through that they experienced the signs and wonders that the Lord Jehovah performed. So they were given the law in the desert and were to keep it. However, because they did not, they were all struck dead in the desert except for two. This is a great example in the desert of where all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God to show that no one is righteous and it's an example. So what is the law? It's the, the laws and decrees, regulations, the commandments and law of sacrifice given. So if given this command, they were to obey and therefore be righteous. But if not, they would be punished. However, there was the law of sacrifice where they could give an atoning sacrifice in the place of their sins. So sacrifices would be put to death in their place so they can be forgiven of sins. So the people who received the law were to keep it and also perform the law of sacrifice. Hundreds of years passed after receiving the law and they continued on with their lives and eventually they forgot how important the law was and began to disobey the law. So the priests disobeyed the law and the people disobeyed and continued to sin. So we see in the Bible in Malachi that they continued in their wicked and sinful ways and they even gave blemished sacrifices. So they would keep the good for themselves, the healthy and useful sacrifice, but the blemished ones uh, would be offered up to God. So this is what the priests did. Also, the people started to complain how meaningless it seemed to give these sacrifices and offerings and what benefit it would be to them. So they uh, also stole and robbed from God in tithes and offerings. And because they disobeyed and went against the law, we see that Israel fell to their destruction and uh, were taken as captives. And when brought back, they still held on to the hope that their nation was the chosen nation of God and they would one day be restored. And with such hope, they remained near the temple and gave worship and sacrifices there. And it was during this time that Jesus Christ appeared. Hallelujah! Finally, Jesus appeared, and what did he say? Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. 
to destroy this temple. To those who didn't want to give sacrifices any longer, maybe it was hallelujah, and they were happy. But to those who held hope of the restoration of their nation, they held onto the promise that they'd regain their sovereignty. So to such people, Jesus was someone to despise and hate. Jesus not only said to destroy the temple, but that he would raise it back up. That he would raise it again. Through the law, they were given the conscience of God, but no longer would that be. But it would be Jesus Christ and his words that would be the conscience. That, and it would, it would be the freedom of conscience. So, so the law is the word of God, the word of Jehovah. So during the time of the law, it was the conscience of God in the law. But the conscience to be established when he is raised back up is that Jesus himself would be the law. In other words, he is the truth. He prayed to the Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. In John chapter 17, 17, it says the words of the Father is truth. And he said, these words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me, as it says in John 14, 24. So the words of the Father, the words of truth. So Jesus Christ said to destroy. So the law given by Jehovah, when kept, would only make their flesh righteous. However, when Jesus said to destroy and the temple he would raise back up again in the name Yeshua. The words he spoke in Yeshua's name, the truth. If you know the truth and kept it, your spirit would be set free. So it is a law that sets the soul free. So to the Jews, if they kept the law, then their flesh would be made righteous. And if they sinned, they could still sustain life by sacrifices. But if you know Jesus Christ and his words and the truth, then their spirits would be made righteous and forgiven and can be set free forever. And this is the law he came to give. In John 5.30, it says, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. My judgment is just. My judgment is righteous, in other versions. So the judgment of Jesus is righteous, and it is just. Because it says, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. But through the revelation he received through... Uh, According to the words of the Father, he judged. And a good example is what we read in the opening passage today. So Jesus was teaching. And then the teachers of the law and the Pharisees came. So who were the Pharisees? Pharisees, they were the self-proclaimed righteous who practiced the Pharisaic law. So they enhanced the laws, thus uh, and they abided strictly to it. So they were not condemned through it as self-proclaimed righteous men. 
So they came to Jesus and they brought in a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. So they saw her and witnessed the woman committing adultery and brought her to him. So just imagine what the sight was like. She likely didn't have shoes on and uh, looked like a mess. But they brought this woman to Jesus and they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? So they actually didn't need to bring her to Jesus and could have just said, uh, just they could have just stoned her, but they brought her to Jesus to see how he would resolve it and whether he would break the law or not and use the question as a trap in order to accuse him. So they said they caught this woman in the act of adultery and the law of Moses said to stone such women. So this is what the law commanded. If they caught such women in such act, they were to be stoned or even be fed poison as well. But it's, it says stone such women. They said, teacher, you call yourself teacher and savior. What would you do to such women? So if you were the judge, what would you do? So this was the basis for accusing him. So they were testing him. So in order to get rid of Jesus as he was a stumbling block to them, they wanted to get rid of him. So according to the law, they could stone the woman. But if Jesus said to not stone her, then they can say he was breaking the law and could be put to death. So they said, according to the law, we are to stone such women. What do you say? If Jesus replied to stone her, then yes, he is following the law and they cannot accuse him. But the woman would be stoned. She would be, she would be put to death. And that's according to the law. But he called himself the Savior, so how could he do such things? So he would have been put in a difficult situation. So Jesus could have said, why did you bring her here? You can do as you please. But then he wouldn't qualify as their Savior. So when I read this, I realize who Jesus is and I respect and love him so much. So Jesus didn't answer in such way, but it says Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger. So they were just wondering what he was writing. It says he straightened up and said to them. He looked and straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. So let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. According to the law, they could stone such women who committed adultery. So according to the law, yes, 
Jesus is not a sinner. He acknowledged the law because the law was given by his Father God. But then it says, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And what happened strangely after is he stooped, down, stooped to write on the ground again. And it says, After they saw what he wrote, after this they felt convicted. Convicted by their conscience, um, those who heard went away one at a time. So they all came with a stone in their hands, since according to the law, this was instructed and permissible. So what did Jesus write that at this they felt convicted by their conscience and left one at a time? What did he write? that they felt convicted and guilty. What do you think he wrote? It doesn't say here, but we can guess. To be convicted and feel guilty, this woman was an adulterer, and he likely wrote uh, something like, if you have lust in your heart, it's the same as adultery. So they likely thought, I had lust in my thoughts, but I suppressed it all this time. But if that's considered adultery, then they're convicted by their conscience. And he stopped to write again, uh, even if you have not committed murder, but had hate for a brother, that's the same. Or if you coveted, it's the same as stealing. So it convicted them and they were, uh, they felt guilty and they put their stones down and left one by one. So Jesus Christ, he acknowledged the law and what he said, what he spoke, it condemned, it, con it pricked their conscience. So according to the law of Moses, it was through their actions, but Jesus also condemned what was in their hearts, and they confessed, they confessed, therefore they are sinners, and left. Hallelujah. So after they left, Jesus and the woman were the only ones left. So it, it says, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? When they brought the woman to Jesus, they did so to accuse her and judge her. This was according to the law of Moses. The law of Moses. So the law is what brought the sinner to Jesus. The law brought the sinner to Jesus. But what Jesus spoke is the words of truth. And the words of truth, the words of the Father, the truth, because it pro proclaimed the words of truth, they left one by one. So the truth surpasses the law. The truth surpasses the law. So this law they feared had no power against the law of truth. Hallelujah. So they left and he said to the woman, then neither do I condemn you. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. So Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In Jesus, the truth does not condemn. So the one 
condemned before Jesus can be set free. That one who comes before Jesus can be set free. Though they should have kneeled before Jesus here, but we see that they left. Then Jesus said, Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Go now and leave your life of sin to not sin again. Do you think the woman was confident of not sinning again? She likely didn't have the confidence to not sin ever, but there is no record of what happened in her life afterwards. But if we were to guess, with 613 points to the law, it is likely that she continued to sin. And it's only when Jesus Christ died on the cross that they can truly be set free by the truth. So did Jesus say, I saved you, now live as you wish? No, it says, go now and leave your life of sin. The price of sin is death. And only when Jesus Christ died on the cross was the problem of sin truly resolved. So the words of Jesus Christ are the words of the Father, and the words of the Father are the truth. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It is only the truth that will set the sinner free. So you have to keep that in mind. In Luke 5.32, Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repent. And Matthew 20, 28 mentions that the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. To give his life as a ransom for many. So a ransom or atoning sacrifice, it wouldn't be an animal that dies in the sinner's place and to be taken to the priest. So, so that's what the sacrifice is. But Jesus Christ, he was prophesying about his death, and it is not his sins, with his sins, but the sins of all mankind that he would bear on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. And what did he finish? He died according to the commands of the Father. In John 10, 17, he willingly laid down his life and he died as a peace offering. In Romans 3, 25, it says he revealed the righteousness of the Father. So when Jesus Christ died, it revealed the righteousness of the Father. When Jesus died, he confessed, Father, you alone are the righteous one, that you alone are the righteous judge. That, Father, you alone are the King of Righteousness. It is only the Father alone, the Righteousness alone, who can raise the Son back to life. And through his death, he also condemned the origin of sin, the ruler of death, the devil. And also, through his death, he redeemed and paid the price of all man's sins and set them free from the price of sin. The blood that he shed... He sprinkled into the spirits of all mankind, and those who receive it and welcome it by faith are now justified and made righteous. 
So by the sprinkling of blood, they are made righteous. They are justified. And two such souls can now live a life as the righteous and the Holy Spirit helps one to do so. Last week, we heard that the resurrection of Jesus is the confirmation of his righteousness. His death was to establish his righteousness. In Revelation 15, 4, it mentions the righteousness of the Lord came and was revealed and all mankind bowed before him. That all worship before him. For your righteous acts have been revealed. So he ascended to heaven and is now seated on the throne as the king of righteousness. The king of righteousness governs who? He governs forever and ever. Does he govern the world and spiritual beings? The king of righteousness governs the righteous. Hallelujah. The kingdom of heaven, who goes there and lives there? Only the righteous. So Pastor Joe, who heard the sermon, shared that she was just so touched by this word and received so much grace that when you compare this world to the kingdom of the righteous, how can we, such lowly beings, enter the kingdom of the righteous? And she felt so thankful about this. Shortly after, the Holy Spirit came. And the Holy Spirit is a person of God. He's a person of God. And he is the heart and conscience of God. So the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of the Son, has made my soul clean, holy, and righteous. And into such soul made alive by his blood, the Holy Spirit enters, meaning the conscience of God enters. Say amen if you've received the Holy Spirit. So our flesh, according to the eras, the generations, the regions, it varied this conscience. But with the coming of the Holy Spirit, he resolved this. Amen. So when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the conscience of God, a good conscience, a righteous conscience. So a good conscience is what seeks God. And if you have... This is what faith life is, with a good conscience to follow God, to seek God. So if you have received the Holy Spirit, such conscience acknowledges, as it says in Psalm 711, that God is a righteous judge. He is a just judge and a God who displays his wrath every day. That he is angry with the wicked every day when he sees unrighteousness and the unjust he feels angry so when you receive the holy spirit when you see something unrighteous unjust it troubles you to the point of being angry have you received the holy spirit amen but you don't feel angry when you see wickedness unrighteousness then you must question if you have received you cannot hide sin or ignore sin or turn a blind eye to sin but when you see sin and wickedness, you become so angry as you have this conscience. So you may think, what makes you so angry? And yes, I do get angry, maybe more than others. 
But now I know where I should direct my anger or by what I should be angry with. So it's regarding the sins of the world. We know the story of Lot as recounted in Second Peter chapter 2, verses 7 to 8. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. So Sodom and Gomorrah were burned down by sulfur, and they were all judged and destroyed. Lot, Lot and his family were spared. They were delivered. And who was Lot? So, so Sodom was a city that became so corrupted and filled with wickedness. And he was a righteous man distressed by their lawless deeds and wicked conduct that his righteous soul was tormented by their lawless deeds. So I'm not sure if you're disinterested in the world, but if you see the things that go on in the world and where it's headed, you become so distressed and tormented, so upset, it's painful to see what's going on. Do you don't, or do you not care? You have no interest in this and you've cut off the world already? That you've cut it off and have no interest or care? Is that you? As for me, I once had a dream of the ideal America when I was younger. Because during the time of the Korean War, um, we were in such poverty. And it was America that provided the rations and goods that we needed and we were provided for for many years we survived off of that at the time and i thought the americans were like angels that they sent everything so i would go to the store where they sell these goods and i found good things i wanted and whether it was food or uh, products or bags, I wanted everything. They, they had everything. And I thought they were such kind people and America was filled with angels. And I had a dream I would surely go to America. And with that dream, uh, my husband um, uh, also wanted to become, he wanted to become an international student. So. Uh, uh, so we set off and planned to come to America and the reason I wanted to was I had this great dream now uh, this vision of America that I once had is being broken it should have been broken a long time ago at the moment I received Jesus and had um, put interest in uh, Jesus Christ and his kingdom but uh, I still had interest in how America was and I would look at the newspapers and but now I realize how wicked it has become not a nation of angels but a land filled with sin Everyone in the world recognizes America as a very influential and powerful nation with a democratic government. And you see genes worn even in Africa 
uh, made in the U.S. A. And all the the so with all uh, the good things, uh, the bad things are also impacting the world. So how so with LGBTQ and the love of um, homosexuals and same-sex marriage being legalized. And even for such effort, bathrooms in schools are being installed for use by both males and females to accommodate transgenders. Also, the U.S. soldiers within the army, so they would say, yes, sir, but not anymore because sir is referring to males and they don't say yes ma'am either because that's for females so they decided not to say this or she or her so maybe koreans may not know what i'm talking about but uh, they are to no longer use these terms to specify specific genders brother sister mom or dad so they use neutral terms such as they or their names. And who is allowing this? In America, there is an effort to legalize this and now it's impacting everywhere else in the world as well. Also in America, the number of people who have died from drug overdose exceeds 100,000. So from Mexico, these drugs are being smuggled and brought here and uh, it's everywhere. All this wickedness is being leaked into American society and there are more deaths due to drug overdose than compared to COVID deaths or car accidents. And it's just so horrible that it's due to drug overdose. And we see the government putting effort into useless things, but not putting as much effort into preventing this from happening. So on the US-Mexico border, uh, this uh, the drug fentanyl that is smuggled uh, has taken over the drug market. This drug is not made from natural things, but artificially through chemicals, and it leads to so many deaths. On Kensington Avenue, Philadelphia, uh, have you seen such clip of Kensington Avenue? So have you not seen it? Do you only look at, see, read the Bible? I respect you. So on Kensington Avenue, apparently, it's filled with these drug addicts and they're they're doing drugs they're selling drugs and uh, people are high on drugs and the scene is just so unbelievable and it's horrible they're they're just they're just there lifeless they're like standing there like zombies as shown in the movies and even these kids in Mexico are seeing these films because in Mexico there's a prevalence of drugs. So we just see America falling and I am just so mad and ashamed that America is becoming so wicked and evil.
it's not the America that I had once dreamed of. It's truly the end times. And I say, Lord, come, Lord. We are truly in the end times. Come, Lord Jesus. And it's natural to have such distress towards the world. That, and not only that, but also you are distressed. Distressed by your own sins. That you reflect on yourself and you become angry because of your own sins. That you look at the past day and uh, realize you've said amen, but were unable to live accordingly. That you are angry at yourself. That this is all you amount to. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 to 10, let us read. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So if we claim to be sinless and that we do not know sin, if we claim that, then there is no truth in us. However, if we confess our sins and confess, I am a sinner and I was deceived by the spirit of the world and I am just a child deserving of wrath by nature. If you confess that as he is faithful and just, he will forgive us our sins. If we confess our sins as he is faithful and just, he will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness and deliver us from all unrighteousness he will deliver us so if you sin you are unrighteous but from the price of sin he will save and help us so we do not sin again amen hallelujah so repentance repentance is such a great blessing and power and authority to us that if you do not know sin then you're not even human. As a Christian, if you think you have no relation to sin, nothing to repent for, think hard because you do have sin. Like peeling the layers off an onion, there is sin after sin. All the more these days, I realize how important repentance is. The Lord is our Father, and from of old, from everlasting, he is the Redeemer, and his name is Yeshua. And thinking of this brings tears to my eyes and touches my heart. When I think of each and every day I live, I realize how many sins I've committed. At the time, I didn't know, but when I think again now, so many sins. Sin is also knowing good and not doing it. That's also considered sin. Knowing what is good but not doing it, that is sin. Knowing what is righteous but not rebuking unrighteousness, not putting an end to unrighteousness or wickedness and putting it off, that's also sin. So every day is filled with sin. And every day you ought to be contrite and distressed by sin and repent in tears. If you say you love your brothers and sisters and don't love them, 
as your own body and children, you can. And if you are so hypocritical and lying, there's just so many things you have to repent for. By pouring out all your fluids and truly having this feel, this re experience of repentance, you are so relieved. Your homework today is to let out all of this and then you will realize that God has truly provided and given you so many blessings. Let all the uncleanness and filth inside you empty it all out. Because he is faithful and just, he will forgive us our sins and he will save us. So we have to love repentance. To love repentance. And third, is to cut off the cord of the wicked. To cut off the cord of the wicked. To cut off all the cord of the wicked. To cut off these ties with the wicked people, the wicked friends, and wicked acts. If you have repented and with your lips you've confessed to God everything, now you have to apply it to your life by cutting off the cord of the wicked. And I'm sure there are none at our church, but alcohol, drugs, smoking, some may ask, will these lead to hell? So whether it's alcohol, drugs, or smoking, it, it numbs your conscience. Those so those who gamble at casinos, what are they doing? They're all smoking away. So where sin is prevalent and occurs, you see such things as smoking and drinking and gambling. And even with drinking, when you are drunk, you lose your conscience. You cannot think straight. And that goes the same for drugs. So we have to constantly be awake and not be seared in our conscience. Our conscience has to be awake. Amen. And we have to cut off this cord to wicked friends. We read in Psalms, Blessed are those who do not walk in the way of the wicked. So cut off all worldly and wicked friends, those praised for the world, who have no spiritual, are not spiritual. You have to cut them off. We do not walk in the ways of the wicked and the sinners. We do not yoke ourselves with them. But rather be in a place in the assembly of the righteous who live according to the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. So why do we come to church on the Lord's day? It's because in the church we are in the assembly of the righteous. And it is in the church where the words of Jesus, the words of truth, can be heard. And when we hear the words of truth, our consciences are pierced, made alive. Some people may think they're sitting on pins and needles. If you agree, raise your hand. You won't raise your hand? Are you seared in your conscience? If you heard this and it doesn't make you convicted or feel guilty, and you think you're fine and do not sin, no. In order to do good, you make sacrifices. But have you done it to that point? You are all sinners. You ought to come and confess you're a sinner deserving of death. 
that I deserve to die. But while alive in the flesh, I want to know what is righteous and repent and find myself in the assembly of the righteous to ultimately be taken up to the kingdom of the righteous. Let my conscience come alive. So let us pray so that he will give us the spirit of repentance. Because if we do not repent, uh, what will happen? Uh, we, we can read in First Timothy chapter 4, 1 to 2. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Once again, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. So this is what the Holy Spirit says to the churches, to what to the members who have come to church today. That in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. That you may be here now, but in later times, you might leave. Abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. And if your conscience has been seared, you'll become hypocritical liars. If your conscience has been seared, as with a hot iron, you will, uh, due to follow deceiving spirits and demons, will become hypocritical liars. And in Second Thessalonians two, nine to eleven, nine to twelve, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie, in all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. So if you have heard the word of God about the love of God and the righteousness of God and you do not repent, it says that God will send a powerful delusion that he will send such deceiving spirits that you will be received, the devil will be at work, you will and believe the lie and be condemned. And it's so scary. It is God who will allow this, that those given the opportunity to repent but do not will be deceived and won't believe and be deceived and will go to hell. Do you want that to happen to you? So in order, so repentance is important. So in order to repent, your conscience has to be alive. Conscience come alive. So if you have a conscience, you realize that all you can do is repent. So you ask him for the spirit of repentance. Let us pray.